hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome to a hamster with a blunt penknife, the Doctor Who commentaries podcast. I'm Pete. <laughs> I'm Joe. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm this plural when I'm here. It's only plural when you're here. Well, it be, it's going to catch on sooner or later. Everyone else is also going to realise that you've done more than one bloody commentary. So it should be plural. Do you know how many of these have gone out now? Uh, you must. I'm just sure, swayed. Done some episodes five or six times now because I just keep going. Four hundred and fifty episodes. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> That's me talking a lot of bullshit. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of opinions. <laughs> hey. Um, hey, hi. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How it's been you? a little while since we did our Stones of Blood commentary. It has, yeah, and we've kind of run out of. Spooky ladies in woods. <laughs> there are no. So I was like, well, to be honest, that's what I watched Doctor Who for. No, it's we basically not. went. Well, we've been done all the gothic ones, haven't we? We've ticked them off. The, mm. uh, demons, State of Decay, Canine and Company, Owens of Blood, Canine and Company, <laughs> and Orphan Fifty Five, which is also gothic in its own way, and just fabulous. And, <laughs> you know, I'm seeing more and more opinions about that one in the affirmative now I'm than negative. You. Yeah, I, I think it's it's, it's slowly it happens. You waited. Once, and once the are over the, it was the shock of something so completely left field that got people. But before that's, I ask you the question I that I said I was going to ask you, um, did you like Power of the Doctor? Yeah, yeah, I liked it quite a lot. Quite a lot. Didn't, didn't completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, eight out of ten. With a few caveats. Yeah, no, but no, like, <laughs> I, I've been telling people for years, of course, she threw the pocket watch down the thing at the end of Flux. It's bound to come back in the finale and and, and we're bound to get an expert a bit more detail on Joe Martin's Doctor. Uh, I was like, no, he doesn't give a shit. Okay, fair enough. But we did get <laughs> Sasha Dewan looking super hot in Sylvester McCoy's jumper. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what and, and uh, of course, obviously, Sophie and uh, Janet just, oh, just amazing. That, I, I'll, I'll press all my buttons. Do you know what? I thought he was going to try and redeem Tegan and the fact that she was a grumpy bitch throughout the entire thing, I was like, yes, this is exactly how she would yeah. still be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, today, look, we're here to talk about a what I think a lot of people would consider a classic The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. The last time the Doctor Who magazine did a big poll, I think it, it polled somewhere in like the top 20, I think, mm-hmm. maybe even the top 10. You just told me before we started recording that you're full of facts and you've got them all completely memorised. And the first <laughs> fact you've tried to do... I'm looking, at you, I'm looking at you it's for confirmation. But I don't know. The question I want to ask but no, is it, It's a popular story. It is a popular story. Oh. And the question I want to ask you is this, is that I know you are a little bit ambivalent when it comes to Stephen Moffat <laughs> as a showrunner of Doctor Who, and that has been discussed elsewhere in the trial of Stephen Moffat over in the 9-1-B Praise, where you did a fabulous excerpt for that. Thank you. However, this is Stephen Moffat right at the beginning of his Doctor Who career. Oh. The, I've got the, a feeling that you you quite like what he oh, did yeah, during yeah. the Rusty Davis time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back, this is so 2000, May 2005, that for a period of several days, Stephen Moffat is my favourite Doctor Who writer ever. He's because just, of this story yeah 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 it's just so refreshing and uh i mean uh, yeah it's it, it's uh because we're on the verge of another it's so cool going back this is the first time i've done a russell t davis episode era episode with you isn't it yeah uh, and it's so cool going back and looking at it now that it's a million years old and we're all a million years old um seeing the uh, what that remembering what it was like when it was so fresh and i was still quite wary of whether I was going to like New Doctor Who or not, having loved loved it, loved Rose, and then this whole first series was just a sort of terrifying roller coaster ride of is it is it going to be popular? Is it going to get cancelled again? Do I like it? Does it matter if I like it? And all of that. Yeah. What about you? Oh well, I think at this point when Empty Child and Doctor Dances came out, we'd had Dalek. It was hitting very decent ratings. I know Christopher Eccleston had um, submitted his resignation. But a second season and another Christmas special had been commissioned. So it was like the future was bright at this point. Mm. And the audience response was really strong. The critical response was really strong. And then this hit, and I was like, fuck me. If it can hit these kind of heights, (laughs) we are in safe hands. Yeah. I I think 
Stephen Moffat probably could do no wrong all the way up to <laughs> winning to go for his showrunner. <laughs> well, and, and that's why I hope. So I deliberately haven't rewatched this in advance of watching this, and I haven't watched it for two or three years, maybe more. Um, and uh, so it's still going to be it's going to be quite fresh to me. And, and coming back to it now in the post Moffat era, hopefully, if there's any Moffat things that came to annoy me later, they won't annoy me watching it now, and I'll be able to enjoy it as much as I did when I first saw it. Well, one thing struck me because I pre-watched this with the commentary on, which, as I did mention to you in a text message, <laughs> was smugness distilled because it was John mm. Barrowman and Stephen Moffat talking. Um, but one thing that really, really struck me was all those sort of elements I'm not so keen on, the overt sexualization of the Doctor, the smugness of the dialogue, mm. um, the sort of overtly cleverness, the apparent cleverness in the script it was all there but it was a little more tentative than it was later on it was a little a lot less sort of in your face and i think a lot of the elements that rusty davis would bring to a story which is like a real focus on character and atmosphere um and I, even the dialogue felt a little different from moffat's time i don't know i feel like this there's, there's something different about the collaboration of those two than there is when Moffat was just sort of cut loose yeah and left to his own devices yeah mm. interesting very interesting well, let's, let's watch and, it shall we yeah <clears throat> excuse me okay well what okay. would you like to count us in okay get ready to dance in three two <laughs> one go pre-credit sequence i still get excited by the preset good pre-credit sequence it looks like a plug doesn't it it looks like i mean like a sink oh. i think it looks like button moon <laughs> but it does get to the point very quickly this yes uh, the, yeah uh, yeah we're crashing in and and uh, it's nice to start with a red alert or mauve alert can i ask you almost immediately please uh where you fall with the knife doctor and rose oh really good uh, yeah a good combination because she's not too she's she, she's not sort of in awe of his awesomeness as much as she is with the 10th Doctor. So she's well, he's trying to impress her and she's being, she's not always immediately impressed. Whereas the following year, it, it tips, it all goes horribly wrong in my opinion. But, but let's talk about that. <laughs> it's great. And there's way we've flown into the title sequence, uh, which as always, <laughs> why does the TARDIS, the Wii is the bit where the TARDIS ought to come. Does everyone always say this when you do it? No, never. Just TARDIS. do because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, see, the season twenty-four title sequence got that perfect. The TARDIS spins around as you get the thing kicking in. But here, the thing kicks in, and then a minute later, the TARDIS. As ever, Pete, your reading on Doctor Who is completely unique. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't believe it. I'm sure there's other people out there who want that to be tweaked every time they see it. Isn't it a good title, The Empty Child? Oh, it, although it's got the word child. This is a foreshadowing. The word title in uh, the word child in the title is a, is, a, is a bad sign. Don't put children in Doctor Who. It's a good <laughs> title. It's a fantastic idea. Like, it's a creepy idea, and it's a great image of the kid with the gas mask. I mean, we'll talk about that later on. So mm. simple, so effective. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, in series two, Jane Tranter said to Rusty Davis, "Oi, if you're going to do any more historical stories, all right, you got to up the pace a bit." Do you think she's talking about this one? Um, it doesn't feel like a historical, does it? Because it's not got. It, but it, I mean, it's okay. What do I mean by that? I I think we have we need more categories. Than, I know we've got historical and studio historical, which nobody seems to bother with anymore because we don't do pure historicals. But there's historicals. Basically, there's historicals where they're really like this. Isn't the Doctor trying to change the outcome of the Second World War? It's just a place where this alien stuff is going to happen, rather than it being a story. Rather, yeah, it's just it's like it's just like there's two subcategories. There's the ones where they're in the past and the outcome of the second world. For example, if this was all about ensuring that someone didn't change history so that Germany won the Second World War, that's one type of story. And this isn't that. This is the other type. And well, how would you categorize this then? What that really long sentence that I just said should be. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just have to say that. Every we time. can't you say know, that mummy. every fucking time, oh, can we? We just had the first mummy. Oh yeah, off, off stage. But, I mean, off, but my point is, is there are extended scenes of atmosphere, and this this has a measured pace rather than a furious pace. Yes, 
Yes. I like um, that. Yeah, and, and it's a two it feels more comfortable in its episode, in its length than the previous two parter with Aliens of London and World War Three, where they were just charging and gotta keep going. Aliens of London and World War Three is almost it feels almost like a, just a, a part one that keeps going and going. A part one. It starts at part one pace and just stays at it at a charge all the way through. That's fine. But but this feel this is more like, no, okay, we've got we've got an hour and a half to tell this story. Um for the uh, so it feels like those that that old old money four episode length is getting used a bit more with time to get to know the characters you get to know nancy really well i mean richard wilson's character that comes along later it's a single scene and you get to know him very well in that scene yeah i couldn't believe it when it was an accident <laughs> oh, oh shut up <laughs> that was accidental i could not believe it <laughs> when it was <laughs> was that was that accidental <laughs> yes oh, God, Joe, what's happening <laughs> i would have been so proud of that if i thought of it in advance would have done it much worse um what is it you could not believe Pete? That he's in it and not like the doctor or the master. He's just to, to me, it's like it's, it's just you know, it was announced, but it was announced that he was going to be in Doctor Who. I'm like, this is one of the most famous people who's ever been in Doctor Who. How, how it must be the person who's behind it all. And it's actually not that big a role, it's a very good role, but he's not, it's you know, a t- well, he's, he's Mr. Exposition, isn't mm. he? He fills in all the <laughs> yeah. gaps. Um, can I just take this as an opportunity to say something I've been meaning to say for a long, long time? Mm-hmm. It has to be you. Wonderful I, you. You're it singing, Joe. You said you weren't going to sing. Of course, I was going to sing. <laughs> now, some of the songs in this were not written until the late 1940s, but we won't quibble, I suppose. Oh, do not be that fan. <laughs> Anachronistic well, potatoes. Oh, I've only just noticed. I love the um the, the right the, the caption for it on uh, on the iPlayer. Homeless children in wartime London are terrorised by an unearthly child. Oh, nice. we've got a, we've got an insider writing the captions. An unearthly child. I think that's got legs, you know. <laughs> yeah, that could catch on, couldn't it? Well, it's got two if the uh, nanites have fixed it, but that's another issue. <laughs> Do you know what Moffat says about this scene in the commentary? He goes, he goes, I can't believe I did this whole sequence in this club just for that terrible gag about the bombs. He goes, I just wanted to tell oh, that go joke. The bank. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't yeah, surprise me, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of atmosphere down there. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully done. And now we got so now we, and, oh, we got a bit of green screen action. Oh, Billy Piper don't dangling. you mock this at the time? Oh, no, this I'm not mocking it. I'm not mocking it. It's good. We've got the tar- kicking our legs over the TARDIS and everything. This I, is like I, I remember, I, and that there, this, this the scene of London at night and the searchlight. Yeah, I think I think that looks a bit like a painting that's come to life. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of the. It's just so well done, and just, <laughs> and of course, her, maybe not in this t-shirt. Do you realise something? What? Well, you, the stories you've done, I think, might be you know one of the the handful of stories that all have nighttime filming. Canine and Company. Oh yeah. Um, the demons has a nighttime sequence yeah, at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. This uh, Earthshock doesn't, but it's in K. It's underground in the dark. I, well, it? yeah, I want it, I want dark places. That's true. Oh, there's a cat. I've forgotten there was a cat. Oh, I love a pussy. Nine hundred years of phone box travel. So he's saying he's younger than because Sylvester McCoy said he was nine hundred forty. Three and do I have to keep saying this? Don't be that well, fan. Don't be that fan. Right? <gasps> <laughs> Did you remember the t- the phone ringing? How exciting that was! Yeah, that doesn't happen. And why he's, is there a phone there? He says that in the commentary as well. He goes, "Why has nobody done this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in fifty years? Why has nobody done yeah. this? Why has nobody made him have a phone?" Oh, what's oh. the name of the woman who plays Nancy? Uh, oh, Mister Facts at his fingertips. Yeah, Mister Mister got got too many tabs open <laughs> i'll get back to you on that one how well, old is she meant to be uh, she's got a sort of ambiguous look about her that's you i can't quite decide yeah yeah sorry if, I'm not you, sure if I said, you said to I'm me not, she i'm not was accusing sort of... her of being the wrong age i'm i'm, I'm weighing up. i'm not sure if she, is she meant to be like 90 about rose's age is what i'm yeah. thinking if you said to me she was like 20 i'll say oh yeah if you said to me she was closer to 30 i'd go oh yeah you know she's that sort of person yeah her name is florence hoth an unusual I name think h is h phenomenally good yeah 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 oh man <laughs> eccleston does <laughs> He's got the "Are you my mummy?" on the phone now. This is and this is a catchphrase. Obviously, a catchphrase being born. Being born. There's new who don't even blink. Moffat's good at catchphrases, isn't he? The bastard. He's got a catchphrase for everything. Yeah. <laughs> 
well, I don't know, later on, what was the catchphrase from the silence? I can't. No, nobody can remember. They had one, but nobody can remember it. Okay. <laughs> my deliverer jokes aren't as funny as my accidental ones. <laughs> oh, well, rings on past. And just the TARDIS down a dark uh, alleyway like that and the, and the rainwater. I guess this really is night shooting. It, it really it it was. Because you can tell, yeah, yeah you, you can tell on the the quality of on their faces i think do you know, do you know this links into the cliches like talon's does i love this woman who goes arthur arthur oh yes <laughs> there's an air raid going on <laughs> oh dear oh, who directs this james Hawes. yeah he did a few more and he did the first few of the next season and then didn't come back again which is a shame because he's very mm. in tune yeah yeah here she goes now, in to steal yeah. the food. And Eccleston proves, it's quite surprisingly, that he works extremely well with children. Yeah, which I guess he hadn't really done before. Isn't it amazing to think this 1940s kitchen is, this episode of Doctor Who is now as old as this 1940s kitchen was in 2005? That is terrifying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the I, you do, I'd, sorry, I'd, I just love doing that with random years. It amuses me endlessly. Isn't it amazing to think that St Paul's Cathedral now is even older than it was then? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of planes buzzing around it. I'd forgotten right. that. I forgot how many planes there were. Oh, here's John Barrowman. Look, excellent bottom. Yes, Pardon? Oh, right. That's actually that's what he, what he says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> gonna say, oh, we're just already, they're already shooting him the from the way up. Right? <laughs> oh dear, are we allowed to talk about John Barrowman anymore? Oh no, no. Well, he was always annoying anyway. <laughs> are, we allowed, are we allowed to talk about Captain Jack? Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, he does zoom in on an ass. Well, then he slaps his ass. I mean. It's like everything's playing into it, the what he was accused of. It's so it, it, well, that's the thing, yeah. And the blurring of the lines between him and his character is is an odd thing. Like, there's never been a has there ever been somebody cast in Doctor Who prior to this who's who's been sort of there for their star quality and pizzazz, which is what he's there for, and and cast. I don't know the way you know the way he, he he's John Barrowman doing an appearance as John Barrowman rather than really being a completely different character who's nothing like John Barrowman. I can only think of one, really. Persona-wise, I mean. Before who, this. Who, who else? Who's, who's Tom equivalent? Baker. Tom, Tom Baker. Baker's yeah. Baker, yeah. basically yeah, Tom yeah, Baker, yeah. isn't he? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, star quality, all the things you say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but, Tom but, Baker but didn't Barrowman get his dick out all the time, did he? A... <laughs> <laughs> well, if he, he didn't talk about it in interviews endlessly, <laughs> <laughs> I'd put it that way. You should ask Lala Ward about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> and so we come through into the dining room. Oh, I love all of this with the kids. Uh, and that she's looking after them all. Do you know what, right? Do you know what's the thing that shocked me about this? Is um, it has the most obvious answer to the <laughs> are you my mummy twist all the way through. And at no point did I figure, oh, yeah, that, that could possibly be his mother. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's quite true. That's true. Yeah, but oh, how Rose is falling? Like, like, Rose is falling. It was clever misdirection, isn't it? And and yeah. Now, um, are, are you caught captured in two thousand and five CGI? Yeah, I think it's holding up well, isn't it? I think it's fine. Is it? I don't know if it's been upscaled to HD on the iPlayer. I don't. Uh, probably not when I'm watching it on my computer. Possibly, but yeah, I've got the <laughs> HD um, Blu-rays and yeah. I can't really tell the difference, if I'm honest. I love that. I do, I, and I do love the bit about no one ever believes that when he tells us to turn off his phone. I remember that being a new, when you know, God, old enough to remember mobile phones being new and planes <laughs> complaining about them. <laughs> Are you allowed to just have your phone on on the plane now? It's been a while. No, you're still not allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> but I think less and less people comply. Here we go now. And, uh, this this whole thing is to bring John Barrowman in as a yeah, fan, and he isn't it? Yeah, and he'd been created by Russell T Davis, isn't he? He's not a Moffat creation, although I know Moffat changed him quite a bit. But it was always it was always in the structure for the story for this character, for this this cocky spaceman from the future to turn up. 
And uh, yeah, now, right, how did you, at this point, I just immediately thought, I really don't like him. He's smarmy and annoying. And... Oh, no, I was the opposite. I, really? I actually thought, well, no, I just thought it was really refreshing to have a male character in Doctor Who that wasn't Adric and Turlow, and that was actually a bit <laughs> sassy and a bit sexy, you know? Yeah. And it's funny that that all gets transferred into um, uh, her, feelings for, her feelings for the Doctor in the next series. Oh, it's the Doctor okay. who she's swooning over i think we should be grateful that river song and captain jack never oh met. god i forgot about her well i just don't think the screen can handle the pair of them together no the clash of the egos would be quite remarkable oh god here comes the child i forget i'm forgetting how much we see from the child's point of view it's very spooky and and just going back to not being able to remember and i mean the way the child is scarier once you find out what it really is i think at the moment it's just a kid wandering around with the gas mask on which is a bit creepy but all right, it's just a kid with a gas mask on. What's creepy about that? But like, you know, this sort of domestic setting you get here all around the table, the kids, they're having dinner during the air raid. Oh, I feel like this is the sort of thing you don't get later on from off here. This is the sort of warmth. And do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, compare it with the family in um, Christmas, mum can't drive because she's a woman. Oh, well, do you have to bring up the Doctor and the Widow in the wardrobe? No, thank you. That's all. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> um, they are agonising, aren't they? Yeah. Why do the children get more annoying as they go along? It's because they get they become stagey, stagey children, and um, uh, which real children aren't like. Whereas, no, because the best thing here is these kids don't get they don't have to do much, do they? The, the plot doesn't really hinge on these children and their performances. They're just a nice touch here. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's charming the children. What's he going to do? Arrest you for starving? <laughs> oh, I like what he just goes. Yeah. Oh, cheers, Moose. Now this evacuation story. Yes, this evacuation story is all is interesting because um, my parents um, lived in London in the Blitz. A lot of my a lot of my dad's family got uh, got blitzed. Uh, his, his uncle and two of his aunts were killed in in a, in a bombing raid. Uh, Where was that? In Catford. Uh, South London, oh. uh, right, right at the start of the war, uh, before they'd actually started bombing civilians regularly, they were bombing the docks and things. And, and but if they couldn't get through to the docks because there was too much uh, barrage balloons and stuff, and uh, one night, and so the planes, the German planes, just turned around and gave up and fly back to uh, wherever they come from. They come from the Netherlands, and they and they just ditched all their bombs over the suburbs on their way out of London because they hadn't been able to get to their real target. And like people, uh, b- because no one had actually no bombs had been falling around there, people had gone back into their houses and thought the raid was over. Uh, and like, yeah, his, his my dad's dad had moved out a few years earlier because he was the oldest but still living at home was his um two of his aunts and his uncle and they were all they were all killed uh, and only the dog survived that's a family that's our family blitz legend i don't know if they had an anderson shelter because not everyone did you know the the um the, the corrugated iron things out in the garden there was they were sort of given out to some people but you had to have a garden i don't know if they had a garden i don't know Unfortunately, the closest a bomb came to my family. Well, rather fortunately, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not too keen on them, so maybe I will say unfortunately. Uh, it was down the end of the street. I think a couple of houses were levelled, but wow. where was that? Truly. Um, which yeah. island was that? Uh, Gatwick. Oh right. Oh, I love. Do you know what I love? All of the you see these sort of tilted angles. Yeah, going towards the door with the the silhouette. It's a sort of a way Doctor Who's never really been shot before, isn't it? I I like all of that. All those sort of horror movie techniques. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it clips in and clips out. Now it's interesting how when we talk about the Russell T Davis era and how it looks, we'll always say, "Oh, it was so bright and vibrant." Um. But here, hello. It, it is sort of bright, but it's but it's very beige. Yeah, obviously because it's nineteen forties. Brown was the colour. Um, it's all very. It's dark and spooky, as was um, Unquiet Dead. But but it's it, still. I, I know what you're saying. They, they but they're still sort of pleasant on the eye. The imagery. I watched yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rebel Flesh and Almost People recently, and I'm telling you now, that was not pleasant on the eye. <laughs> I was listening to that episode. So <laughs> valiant, trying to you're trying to find nice things to say about it. Me, I didn't even bother. I can't bear no, yeah, it. You gave up quite soon, didn't you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I he's think... empty. <gasps> she said the thing. I didn't quite say the name. Does anyone actually say he's empty? An empty child. A Can child you explain a plot point to me, please? Oh uh, what? Why does the phone keep ringing? Is that ever explained? I think it is, yeah. I, I just don't remember what it is. 
the phone rings um, and the radio goes it. off. It's... Nanites did it, is the new wizard did it, isn't it? Oh, there's probably there'll be so much electromagnetic energy generated by the nanites. Yeah, that'll be it. Oh, and his clockwork monkey's having a bash. See, well, That's not a euphemism. It's literally a clockwork monkey having a bash. And he's got that <laughs> scar on his hand. Oh, I love the way Eccleston can flick from playful with the kids to serious, but not he's not overdoing it. Occasionally he does, but that's because he's finding his way. But in this one here, this is him. This is a he's just been so perfect. And the kid says, "I'm scared." Oh, do you know what, Pete? I'd love for him to have had a second year. I would too, but then I'm worried that I would I would have liked him less if if, he, if they'd taken it the same direction they took it anyway, with him and Rose being in love with each other and off each other's asses. Uh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone off him. So in a way, I'm glad. I don't know. Do you see what I mean? Oh yes, I remember. You're the one person in the world that doesn't like the girl in the fireplace, aren't you? Oh God, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> bloody wink coming through the halls. I'm Doctor Who. I'm waiting for this girl to be old enough for me to shag her. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> Moffat? Oh, I want to get you on to a Moffat yeah, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, okay. So now, yeah, see again, Jack's spaceship. Although it's, well, it's dark, but wherever there are lights, they're very bright and colourful. And her t-shirt is hilarious. Was this? When was the? Because um, the Union Jack. Came and has come and gone out of sort of being cool and retro and then being naff and then being cool and retro again. Like there was the 90s period, the Spice Girls period, but this is obviously quite a while after that. And it's like she's it's like she's wearing sort of clothes from 10 years prior. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? She's 2005 wearing a 1997 t-shirt. But maybe people, everyone was doing that in 2005. I can't remember. She has a look in series one, right? I feel like it was abandoned in series two. She just looks so fucking cool in series she one. Does. And she simultaneously looks like the 19-year-old ordinary person you could meet any day and also looks like a, just an international superstar at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, it somehow harmonises. You know what my favourite look of hers is? At Boomtown, That's when fun. she's got the, the pigtails... Really? I love, that. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's okay, great. that's a curveball. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just a very unusual one. It's, it's like well, I'm nothing if not unique. But that's true. Right now, Spock. When she said that, oh my like, god, Star Trek in Doctor Who. Well, it's not that, but it's, it's more just like how many ordinary nineteen-year-olds in two thousand and five who weren't sci-fi geeks like us, which she isn't. Mickey is a bit. And in my, in my head, I had to do a whole rationalisation. Would a nineteen, would an ordinary, regular nineteen-year-old in two thousand five have immediately said, "Oh, you look like someone from a nineteen sixties American sci-fi series"? Wouldn't yes, she have they said? Would. I'll tell you why. Because it's been written by Stephen Moffat. That's why. <laughs> and he's a big geek. I just, I, I, I can remember, God, I'm having a flashback to me seventeen years ago, having all these thoughts and missing this conversation. Because well, what you thought, Spock? Maybe Mickey's Mickey's a geek. It's been meant that well, it said he's a geek, so he doesn't do much geeky stuff. But maybe you knows what he's done there, Pete, don't you? What? He's totally made you not think about the na- nanogenes that, that are rather important to the plot. <laughs> oh, uh, have, have I just missed all that? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah cause he's in the yeah, because he's in the chopper chops. Spaceship. I did, you know what, when as I soon as they called it, it, I was yeah. very confused because I was like, why are they talking about these this little you know pixie oh. dust thing that repairs? I hadn't I I just thought this was a weird anomaly, obviously, until the end. Yeah, and at this point with it, it can get a it, it's funny, at this point it can get away with that sort of stuff because the um because they are doing a lot of look at this magical universe, well, magical, this wonderful universe that Doctor Who's saying. So you do sometimes just get shown stuff by a story as a bit of world building that's not going to necessarily be a Chekhov's gun. Um, but when yeah, the nanobots in the first act go off in the third. Well, can I ask you another question then? Yes. Well, you know, at the end of the Ooh, TV movie, when the Eye of Harmony opens and the pixie dust comes out and brings back Grace Holloway and... Uh, oh yeah, I was two. screaming abuse at the screen. At is that, that nano jeans as well? I don't care. I was, <laughs> screaming, <laughs> I was screaming abuse at the screen during that. <laughs> I think Terrence Dix and Barry Letts were as well. Yes, know? yes. If the TARDIS can just magically bring anyone back to life, what is this series for? What's the point of ever having another episode of Doctor Who? If you watch very closely, it stays half past nine for the next five minutes. I'm surprised that they left Big Ben's light switched on during an air raid, but maybe they did. 
I believe I they may just have used the phone. They must have turned it off, wasn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but then you've not got an iconic shot. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I love a bit of running over railway tracks. I'll be watching Secret Army. Uh, that's something to do a podcast oh, about. You've one been day. watching it's that, haven't you? So good. It's so good. And you've got to get over the LOLO thing because LOLO is such a stunningly good. How much did they take of it? hundred percent. Just every character in LOLO is like is just directly lifted from it, but slightly tweaked. And so the, the Undertaker, first... the woman in the bed. Uh, um, the woman in the bed, yes, except it's his wife, not his old I'll wife, go up not the his back mother. Passage, that woman. <laughs> There's even a police, a French policeman, who because they're all Dutch, they think he speaks a bit funny. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's only in a couple of episodes. But you just uh, you forget that in seconds because the drama's so good. Sorry, we're talking about Doctor Who, uh, the Empty Doesn't Child matter. this evening. So she's hiding in the train, and the Doctor's followed her. See, I'm doing the proper. I'm doing. <laughs> you're, you're you're the only person. Yeah, the last. I know. No, I... actually doing a commentary here. Yeah, do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, I'll leave you to do it. Off you go, so... John style. John Levine style. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what would be ha- what, what were um, what were Moffat and and um, uh, Harkness talking about at this point? Harkness, Barrowman. What are Moffat, Moffat and Barrowman talking about at this point? Um, oh, Moffat says that uh, he goes Chris Ferguson. He goes the first time you yeah you know, when you meet him, you mm. realise just how extraordinarily handsome he is. You know, and mm. what presence he has. He goes and he goes. It's astonishing. You put a camera on him, and all that just falls away. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was a bit harsh. It's just a bit. Oh, oh got... tell you what, though, I, I, uh, that, no, was I, a, that was a very savvy bit of casting, wasn't it, Eccleston? Oh, incredible! Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, um, who Moffat... would have guessed that? Because I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. No, because we all had such a clear picture of what Doctorish was, and just blowing it out of the water it was was uh, such a genius, genius thing. To well, what do. would have been your What would have been your choice then? Pre-announcement. Oh. Oh, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that one. Okay. Because I don't. I genuinely don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I had anyone in mind in particular. Actually, is oh, this the honest answer? Well, I could rewind now. Companion. Piper, oh yeah. <laughs> Billy Piper was coming back. We were all. Uh, well, we all had an interesting reaction to that. Oh, there we go. I see. So they have. So they've just turned the. Oh no! It's him doing it with this thing, t- turning the uh, the clock light on and off. Well, that still sounds dodgy. Florence Hoth, by the way, is is twenty one. Twenty one. Uh, okay. Making this. It's still half past um, nine, Pete. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's been that way for a while now. Well, time was rationed in those days. That's how it worked. See, look, just oh, I was about to say just this, where like the companion is so obviously being seduced. But actually, there was a bit of that in the classic series. So it's not without precedent. There's a, yeah, and someone made a really good point. So it was obviously on one of the clever podcasts that we listen to sometimes. I think it might have been an old, an early fight through entirety. That we've, we, we, we got hung up on the Doctor being this character who, unique as a hero, and I, I, I do this as well. It's, I think it's fascinating that he's a hero who isn't primarily remain, motivated by romantic desire to save the life of the woman he loves. That's a, a very unusual thing for a hero to do, because to, to be, because most heroes are doing that or if it's captain kirk it's the woman of the week but um uh, but then but then they pointed out that um that's also true of you know, the brigadier is, doesn't have a sex life liz shaw doesn't have a sex life it, it, it was just because it was a bbc show being made in the 60s and 70s so there wasn't really a reason why everybody should keep that parked forever but it still felt so weird to but i but i liked it that, that rose is going down this road what being, a, being a three-dimensional person with with a, with a love life and all that for, for other characters in it, I was I, I went into it thinking, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to like that, and actually it's like, oh no, yeah, it's fine. So where I, was, where I, did I, I do like the fact then? that the Doctor has been created as almost asexual. I mean, that's missing. That's not quite what it is, but what it's about. But but yeah, a character who isn't primarily motivated in that way is uh, is an is an excitingly unusual thing to have. But it doesn't mean everyone's mm-hmm. going to be like that. Excuse me, but he got sorry. Married. That was a rant. He got married in season one. Okay, in the Aztecs. He, he did you? See? <laughs> well, his reaction upon hearing it says it all. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay, what's occurring now? What do you think of the way that Rose is flirting, though? Bearing in mind she's got Mickey back home. Yeah, do you know what? Do you I think? I don't know good, why. Good because I really. I really hate it when they do go down that route with Amy Pond in series five. Yeah. Uh, with Rory and the Doctor. Because uh, again, it's more overt. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the, it's just, it's all sort of implied here. It's not, she isn't trying to 
you know, fuck John Barrowman, whereas Amy Pond is trying to fuck the Doctor. You know. Yeah. Yes, and there's a there is a different. Is Amy Amy's a bit older? Is Amy in her twenties? She is, isn't she? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, Amy's supposed to be in her early to mid twenties, whereas Rose is still a teenager, finding her way, finding things out and stuff. So you don't you cut her a lot more slack on that front. But they're still complete this, but... assholes to Mickey in um in school reunion. Everyone obviously it has wonderful things, but the Doctor is a complete shit to Mickey uh, all the way through that. Um, I mean, just put him in his slime. Oh, he's worse. Than yes. Him. Yeah, but then Mickey gets a gun at the end, so that's the redemption arc from Russell T Davis. <laughs> <laughs> he gets an arc and he marries the Doctor's ex. <laughs> I thought you like this era, Jay Russell. I, 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 I'm, I'm diverted. So anyway, uh, the, <laughs> I'm really scared about the new era because uh, RTD two about how much I'm going to like it or not. It's cut, but no, it's not, wait, I'm not just scared. I'm thrilled, thrilled, exciting. It's, it's exciting but nerve wracking. I feel like Rusty Davis knows what he can get away with now, and so he's going to be a bit mm. off the leash. Well, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Um, do you object to the Doctor being? Sexualized, then I don't object to it. I just think it's boring. I just think it's a totally it's a mundane thing to do when you've got you know some character who's vegetarian and then saying, "Hey, let's do a story where they just eat loads of bacon." I mean, it's it like, kind of starts here, doesn't it? Because in the second episode, they, stop, yeah. they talk about him dancing. Uh, in yeah, concerts. yeah. It's like, oh, it's a grown-up show now. He can do that. It's like, oh, you don't oh, go and do, do, go and do, to- go and do Torchwood if you want. <laughs> if you want. I really like this at the time, though. I liked the, that element creeping in at the time. I thought this is a bit different. This is it's not so much grown up, but yeah. it's just reflecting we- the times. It is, but then we get the whole of season three of him bloody mooching over Rose the whole time and treating Martha like shit. And like Martha was the first companion I just pitied. I just thought I would hate to be in her shoes. I've been in her shoes, and I would. I, why would you travel the universe with someone who treated you like that? Um, and it's like I don't. That's not the feeling I want Doctor Who to give me. Weirdly enough, you know, I know it's a season long arc to get to that moment, but when she finally says to him at the end of three, "Right, I'm off. See ya. You treat me terribly." It's it's rather satisfying. Um. I don't know. I just didn't know. I just thought, oh, yeah, I wish she hadn't bothered. I wish we'd had a different companion then instead of a companion who's going to be miserable all year and then fuck off. What was the point of that? I, I mean, I, I absolutely and, and, get your reading. I know people uh, that think they're complete. And I was rooting for uh, but early, and, and I went through a, a big journey to get that. I was like, I remember loving her and rooting for her, in, uh, particularly in uh, Family of Blood and all that. Uh, I felt so sorry. But, I, but the problem was I was feeling sorry for her. And that she was very successfully making me feel sorry for her. But it's like, why do I? Why am I spending forty-five minutes a night feeling sorry for this woman who's travelling with the doctor? I, yeah, but it, it was good drama. But um, so what? Uh, what's the best? Okay, so we're in the hospital. Sorry, we should say something. We? We're in the hospital for anybody who gives a shit. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anyone does, if I'm honest. <laughs> Let's just talk. Isn't this the same hospital from another story? It is, isn't it? It's, it's Aliens the... of London. It's out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aliens yeah. of London. This is the this is the same corridor that Tosh walked down. <laughs> oh yeah, with the pig. Yeah, <laughs> of the pig. And everyone screamed because it was her from Absolutely Fabulous, and then it turned out it was her from Torchwood, and we didn't know it yet. And that, everybody screamed when it was him from One Foot in the Grave. <gasps> yeah. Here he is. Oh, now was this before he was doing Merlin? This is before Merlin, isn't it? Merlin came around after Doctor. Yeah, Merlin was one of the things they commissioned I after Doctor Who. Oh, he done that. What? Yeah. Have he done that with that red hair? Was it like a long wig? I liked Merlin, yeah, and he was um he was Merlin's mentor, young Merlin's mentor, Colin. What's his name? It was know. a fair, it was a nice series. That nice bit, Magic of, show sort of fairly throwaway. Lots of lots of lots of homoerotic, bromoerotic uh, Merlin Arthur. Uh, oh really? Thoughts? I can say yeah. I can't actually. Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely a thing. Oh, they they were they now? were they were a thasmin of their own. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think is the creepiest bit in this scene? It's not so much the bit where he the gas mark emerges on his face is scary. It's the bit where he hits the bin and they all sit up. That's the bit that gets me. Hmm. I don't remember. I can't. I, 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 I think I do. It's been a while. But um, it's I'm, proper, I'm, proper <laughs> cheap that, again, movie can... techniques. That's what I like. But do them right, and and you can't go wrong. Well, you can go wrong, but do them right, and you do them, and they're fantastic for a reason. Yeah. So I love that bit where where um, Constantine says to him, uh, "Are you a doctor?" And he goes, "I've had my moments." <laughs> Is that your Chris Rexel accent? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been to Manchester several times. I could do the accent. I've heard people rip into the line where he says, before this war, I was a father and a grandfather, and now I'm neither. But I think that's really economic way of telling his story. Yeah, I didn't think did people rip into it. I thought yeah, I've, I, I've heard well, hang on, say, in, in which story is that? Do we just is that? Did he just say that just now? He literally or, just said yes. It's a proper mystery. We're investigating a mystery, and and sort of actually at the moment, I think on first viewing, I was thinking, well, what has Rose's story got to do with this? Um, it's uh. As well, obviously, we will find out, but they're very separated, aren't they? Uh, but you know, it's it's very strange because usually I find with Star Trek, when there's a techno babble ending, it's just the worst. Whereas here, I found it very satisfying because there was a very moving character story in there as well, and the two sit yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. At precisely, the, the plot brings those two points together at exactly the right time. Yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't feel like a, um, a hand of God. Oh, when they all sit up. Oh, do you hear what he said? They're not dead. <laughs> He's got a very particular way of saying dialogue, doesn't mm. he? Richard Wilson. Yeah. I'm still pondering your question before about who I, who I would have been thinking to be the Doctor at this point. I've got to stop thinking it because kind of it's distracting me. <laughs> think between episodes, what? then you can let us know for the okay. answers. Mm-hmm, yeah. Here's a... Here's a, 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 a Different question for you. This this feels like this has the feeling of a classic Doctor Who story in yes. in the in the literal sense as yep. well as in the in, in the uh, celebratory sense. Um, by which I mean it could have been an old series story. Well, it couldn't because it does all sorts of stuff. The old series didn't. But nevertheless, it feels like you could drop an an old Doctor in this and it would still work. Whereas some new stories are, are too different and wouldn't work. Which old Doctor would you drop into this if you were doing that? If you were Oh, I'm going to be a bit obvious. Tom Baker? No, I put McCoy in this. Okay. Okay. I always remember so when people season, say McCoy. Season 26, McCoy. <laughs> yeah. the same, not, not season 24, McCoy. <laughs> yeah, he'd be playing spoons on the children's head. No, the same one who just dazzled his <laughs> way. it up his arts, falling downstairs. No? <laughs> McCoy could do this. He could do this sort of brooding horror. He could. He, he learned how to do this by the yeah. season 26. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it start playing the spoons on Richard oh, Wilson's chest. Oh, his face is time to go all CGI. Well, they had a long discussion, didn't they, about the bone cracking oh, sound? God, yeah, it's terrifying. This oh, is the most up to up to this moment. This is the most horrific thing that's ever been in Doctor Who, I think. Just, and it's not even how it's realised. It almost looks a little bit comical at one moment, where his eyes go more Mickey Mouse. But the the Eccleston's got tears in his eyes. I don't know though. I think that's Doctor Who in a nutshell. You know, the the mm. the horrific thing that could, is on the verge of being. Oh yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah, that's very Doctor Who. And when she says in episode two, you, it feels like something's forcing its way up your throat. Well, that special effect absolutely showed that, didn't it? The, mm. Mm. the and you get things like that all the time now. Um, things that horrific, like in Flux. You know, there's that bit where the guys have got giant snakes. Puking them out of their mouths and everything because of the high vizier or whatever it was called. Well, the trouble is, is you have to sort of up it every year, don't you? Like you have to try and best it. Doctor Who, Moffat. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it once, Moffat. That's it. You're not allowed to do it again. Doing it once is fine. Apparently, there was a in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, there was a cut line in the in the draft script after they after she said Doctor Who. He was supposed to say, "I prefer Doctor Who to Star Trek." Oh God, Max! No, shut up. That line was not in the script. It was. That was in a draft. It was. Yeah, it was. It was considered for inclusion. Oh Christ! Thank God that one was taken out. Oh, there's a fantastic special effect in a minute, isn't it? Right, we're creeping. So she's she's in the house, and the kids going around saying, "Are you my mummy? Are you my mummy?" But the bit, the bit where the camera goes right in his face, and you can see that behind, in inside the goggles, there's Mm. nothing behind that. He is literally empty. It's really effective. Yeah. But you know, I feel like the cliffhanger cuts at the wrong point. No, talk about it. I can't remember. Did you? Okay. Yeah, because they, they you get all everyone's sort of going, mummy, 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 mummy. It's, it's, it's quite funny actually. <laughs> Rather than being scary. 
Oh, he no, does. I like an ambulance so well. So yeah, so we've got the, this is the first sort of showdown between the Doctor and Jack, and it's um, it's. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really good. Well, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love the doc the doctor's skepticism and the doctor not being taken in by Jack's flashness, but also being clearly a bit jealous. It does it drop here that, that it's a con? It is, isn't it? Yeah, this is the point. Yeah, he says it's a con. Yeah, yeah. He's telling he tells him, yeah, I'm a con man. Yeah. It's um so is he from the fifth same fifty first century as Magnus Greel? I think that's the yeah. I think Moffat <laughs> has said it at some point because he says in Tales of Shining, doesn't he? A time agent would know. Yeah, yeah. And they choose the time agent description very carefully. Mm. Oh, okay. And the, and the fact that there's a little reference involved. there to the nanogenes again. There, yeah. And not it's forgetting ironic. it. Although nobody's mentioned, he just said DNA's being rewritten. Yeah, the clues are all there. Uh, and uh, and together, they keep talking though. about on, the, the on your first watch. Did you put it all together? No. No, I don't need to know. Um, and you're uh, a smart bloke. <laughs> I'm clearly not. But they, um, uh, I did remember thinking, oh, it's a difficult talk about Spock and yet nanites. And it was kind of a running joke, at least with me and my friends, that nanites were behind everything in Star Trek Next Generation. And it would kind of be like a get out. Oh, no, the spaceships, the enterprises exploded again. Oh, look, some nanites have fixed it. How much Star uh, Trek have you watched, Pete? Um, but almost all of it up till Voyager. I, I think nanites I'm, feature I, I, in one episode, Evolution, at the beginning of series three. <laughs> Do it. they? Well, yes. next gen. Yes. It's literally a running joke. With me one episode. It's <laughs> a running joke. With me and my friends at um, sixth form. But it was all oh, bloody nanites in Star Trek every week. <laughs> Do you remember the cliffhanger to Aliens of London when you had like the triple cliffhanger? Yes, I remember. What, I he was yeah. in jeopardy. Yeah, this I is a, this is a lot simpler, isn't it? Than it that. is, but I did I, I showed this is more traditional. Yeah, there are monsters are going to kill you. About monsters are about to kill them all, uh, and uh, that's good. I mean, but you oh, know well, there's two, this? isn't there? Do you know what I really love is this is a cliffhanger they could have pulled off in classic Who. Yeah, masks, people approaching. Yeah, nice scary. Hinchcliffe could well, have done this, and the music. So I've just put, I've put the sound on a little bit. I know the listeners can't hear it, but. The music is so subdued for Murray Gold. If this was a Murray, if this was a couple of years later, it, the music would have been going. <laughs> but instead, it's just letting the it's letting his voice. Oh, I forgot how much I loved the uh, this, this this version of the theme as well with the uh, original scream just sort of pretty much left as is, and then you get the sc a second scream a few seconds in. Uh, of course, now we'd be having the. Um, Continuity announcer would be telling us to stay tuned for a uh, for a, a trailer. Do we get the trailers on the iPlayer? Are they there at all? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see. From you notice how slowly on. the credits are rolling here as well. Oh yeah. You skip forward a couple of years, and this is <laughs> licking the pace. They changed. I guess there was rules, wasn't there, about everyone's name being on screen for a certain amount of time. They had to be smart about these next time uh, trailers. Yeah. Like when it was when it was a two parser, because if it was someone in jeopardy, they couldn't show that person. Well, they didn't. That, that's what they realised, wasn't it? After the last one, after Aliens of London, they, um, they got loads of complaints because because it cut the, the trailer was straight after the was before the credits, uh, or in the or, or or a few seconds into them. So and it immediately showed you that everyone was all right and running around doing other stuff next week. But I've showed that that Aliens of London to my uh, to my niece, who was probably about uh, about twelve at the time, something like that. And, uh, and she was it. she she couldn't believe it. She's like, "How can it stop? They're all about to be killed." She'd never seen a cliffhanger before. She'd never seen a program that ended with people about to be killed by monsters, and just said, "What happens next? We've got to come back next week," because <laughs> <laughs> that was just so out of out of fashion. How old was she? Uh, I don't know, 10 or 11 actually probably something like that oh it, well, look, okay at the end of episode one i have a question for you then i started with a question i, I love it when you have a question, question. people and then i remember it's me so i've got to think of an answer <laughs> well you hadn't watched this for a long time this was your first time viewing it you weren't sure how you were going to feel about it how did you feel about it? Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. No, it's so watchable. It looks so good. It's not, I, I thought it might seem garish or too in your face, and it doesn't at all. Although it is, of course, it is not an, a, a recreation of, of wartime London uh, in, a, in any sort of realistic 
gritty way but it's not trying to be but but it is it's it's another spooky one and having at this point this, i remember the episode i, I love and, and i still did at the end of season one uh, unquiet dead was my favorite episode of the year uh i've got i've got i've gone back and maybe like like some others more now i don't know or it'd be harder to choose now but at the time that was like wow they've done my perfect doctor who episode i don't know what can come next uh or, or, or at least within 45 minutes i would have preferred it to be 90 minutes and had some more twists but still but yeah no loving it what about you um, I can't believe that Stephen Moffat wrote a story set in the past as good as this and also wrote Let's Kill Hitler. <laughs> what a discussion to have. Yeah, because that thing of Doctor Who not doing the Nazis. Uh, and even when we do the Second World War, and still here, there aren't any Nazis in this. There, there aren't any Nazis in um, Curse of Fenric. Um, uh, but not because like Doctor Who, not, not out of cowardice or anything, but simply because they know we can't, if Doctor Who's so brilliant, and we, we, the viewers are going to ask, why doesn't why doesn't he just kill Hitler? And so Moffat front ends it and then locks him in a cupboard for lols uh, in a few years' time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Your uh, reaction to it's funnier than the joke itself. <laughs> I laughed. I did laugh at that. I did. I, I, I thought it was I did, yeah. I've, just lot shot, I've just locked Hitler in a cupboard. I thought it was quite a funny line from Rory, uh, who is just an abused spouse, but that's a whole other issue. Hang on. Back here. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> But you know, what? I do. I thought it was a very savvy move doing this sort of picture postcard World War Two that everybody would recognise all the cliches. So you could absolutely buy into this immediately. The evacuees, yeah. the bombings, you know, yeah. the gas masks, the barrage balloons. Yeah, and it's doing a, um, it's doing a, it's Doctor Who doing a war movie rather than really Doctor Who explains the Second World War to you in the same way that. Doctor Who doing a mummy's movie, or Doctor Who doing, uh, you know, any anything else that went whatever was being ripped off that week. Yeah, because sure. that's what Who's for? Like, I'm gonna make another comparison though. I'm gonna make another comparison where this got it absolutely right, yeah. and that's Victory of the Daleks, which obviously goes back to the Second World War. And I feel like everything that this gets right, that gets horribly, horribly wrong. Yes. It brings in genuine historical figures yeah. and mischaracterizes them so appallingly. Yes. Yes. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> 